Really quick, before we get started here, this month I'm helping to support John Lee Dumas's brand new journal, The Mastery Journal, which you can find at themasteryjournal.com slash pat. This is here to help you master productivity, focus, and discipline in just 100 days. It's off to the races, an amazing start and Kickstarter. You gotta check it out. Again, that link is themasteryjournal.com slash pat. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 251. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he waves his hands like a conductor when a good song comes on, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use. And one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for joining me today in this session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm very happy to welcome a woman named Sarah Arginal, who I've gotten to know very well over the last six months because ever since she started building her course, I've been following her progress. Uh, back in episode 136, you might remember that one with David Seitman Gartland. Uh, he talked about his course called Create Awesome Online Courses, gave away a ton of great information on how to build your online course. Uh, Well, in conjunction with David and the promotion of that course, I had offered a bonus for people who signed up through my affiliate link, and that was for a time being, three or four accountability calls with me afterwards in a group setting, and Sarah was there on each and every one of them, and it was a way for me to hold people accountable and make sure that they were doing the work, and Sarah, uh, by far, out of everybody who was attending those little uh, sessions that we were doing together, Uh, was putting in more work than anybody and actually taking action. And I'm excited to bring her on today because if you see the title of this podcast, it starts with, in the parentheses, uh, in the middle, meaning she's in the middle right now, uh, by the time we're recording this, uh, in launching her new course. And so we're gonna talk about what it's been like to put it together, 
what it's been like to market it and what some of the struggles were after putting it out there and maybe not seeing as many sales as she wanted. So I give her some tips and things that she should, she should think about uh, to move forward and yeah, and things she wished she would have done differently or better. But she's on the right track and we're gonna talk with Sarah today. And this um, is a different episode. Uh, Sarah uh, has yet to find that success story, but she's in the middle of building it right now. So I'm excited for you and for Sarah. So let's get right into it. This is Sarah Arginal from workingparentresource.com. Here she is. What's up, everybody? I'm so happy to welcome Sarah Arginal to the SPI podcast. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who are listening in, Sarah and I, we've met each other a few times in the recent past uh, at some local meetups that uh, I've been hosting, which have been a lot of fun. And Sarah always is one of the first ones to come and she's just so awesome and has an amazing personality. And what's really cool, she is in the middle of launching her course and getting things done. And I love it because I've been able to kind of follow her progress along the way. And I wanted to bring her on the show today because unlike many of the other people who've been on the show before who have that sort of uh, experience and have had that success story to share already. Sarah is in the middle of building her success story, so we're gonna get some good uh, insight from her. But anyway, uh, Sarah, uh, again, welcome, and and tell us what, what it is that you are doing. I think, I mean, that's the first thing I wanna ask. Like, what is your business that you're creating, and what are you in the middle of right now? Oh, thank you, yeah. Um, I am building a, a program that's called Working Parent Resource. Um, it's a website that supports working moms and dads who also are trying to juggle work and a home and a family and just kind of have, you know, all that craziness going on. And, uh, the program that I created to go along with my website is called frazzled to balanced. Um, I originally did a survey right when I was kind of setting up my website. And the one thing that just about every single respondent said was I have no time. I need time. Um, so that was kind of the impetus for creating this program. Um, because it's something that I went through as myself as a working mom. I had no time when my son was born. I was commuting three hours a day into San Francisco and back. Um, I lived in the East Bay and I just, I worked in a law firm. I was exhausted all the time. I felt like I had about 30 minutes with my son before he went to bed. Mm -hmm. Um, he was sick. We were kind of just talking a little bit about kind of illnesses, you know, it was constant sickness in our family and it was just like, it was, it wasn't fun. And over the course of a year or so, I kind of came up with some solutions and a process. Um, I have about 15 years of experience in marriage and family therapy and in professional coaching and in teaching and in project management. And I kind of wanted to take all of that research and all of that experience and put it together in a framework for people that they could take and just kind of do step by step. How do I get through this? Like as a new parent, as a working parent who's overwhelmed, how do I get my time back? How do I get my life back mm -hmm. so that I'm excited about it? Um, so that's um, the program that I'm creating. And I, I just launched it a couple of months ago. So you're right. I'm kind of like right in the beginning phases of everything. Nice. So did you have a website or a blog to start out with? Or are you are you literally starting with sort of the course and program first? I started with a website. Um, at first it was, it was kind of, it, it started because a friend of mine kind of was asking me questions about all of this stuff, several friends actually. And I was sending these long text messages to them. So I figured, you know what, maybe I should just put a website up that has my favorite books and articles and podcasts and, you know, other resources, just kind of have that in one place. And then if I want, I can just start blogging, um, which is what I did. So in September of 2015, I actually, my family and I moved to San Diego the same month I started my website. And that's when I created the survey and I started building a website around what people were saying they wanted. Um, so about over the course of maybe four to six months, I wrote about 30 blog posts um, that just kind of identified 
some of my favorite resources and just kind of answered some of the questions that were coming up for me most. And um, I started with that. And then I was kind of thinking, okay, do I want to make this a business? Is this something that I want to, you know, sort of develop into something else? Mm -hmm. And that was when I kind of was talking to a lot of people about all the issues that they were coming across. And I decided to put together a program. Um, It was either that or start doing kind of one-on-one coaching. But since I work full-time at a law firm and I have my son and my husband, and actually we're expecting a second baby now. Oh, yeah, congrats. Um, That's awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So we kind of have a lot going on. So I kind of wanted to spend my time on a program that would help more people and that I could, you know, I didn't want to start doing one-on-one coaching and then not have time to build the program. So I decided to start, create that asset, and then I can kind of do what I want with it, you know, from then on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can integrate it into a larger group coaching program or you know, kind of just utilize it however it seems like it'll fit in the, in the future. Awesome. And the first time I heard of this program for everybody out there who's listening was when I had promoted David Simon Gartland's uh, Create Awesome Online Course course. And through that, I offered a couple bonuses, which were uh, meetups with me or, or what, what do we call them? Accountability group calls, essentially. And mm-hmm. uh, you were on those. And that's when I heard, first heard the idea of this. And then we've met in person a couple times. And each time you are taking steps and you're blowing me away with just how much action you're taking, despite having all these other things happening in your life that you're also taking care of, too. So um, how are you able to get things done. I think a lot of people would love to do this and, you know, love to get to even this point, even uh, though you're still in the middle of launching it, um, you have something to launch and you've made a plan. Like, how are you able to to actually make that happen amongst all this other stuff? I mean, this ties directly into what your course is about, actually. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what you're going to say. Oh, I'm tempted to say, go get my course. But I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess two answers to that. Number one is um, kind of the overall picture of it is number one, one of the things I've learned specifically from you, because I've been listening since I started this website and all of that um, was kind of that just in time learning. Um, that concept has, I mean, it's been imperative for me over the last year and a half or so, because I, I've kind of, you know, it's like oh, so overwhelming. There's so many things that you can do. And I've just decided to put one foot in front of the other and kind of I have the two main tools that I use are Evernote and Trello, and I'll get into that in a minute. But I I basically just, if it's something that I think will be helpful in the future, I throw a note down, I throw a website link down, I throw, you know, a copy and paste from an article or whatever it is. I put it down somewhere where I know I can get to it later, but I don't think about it. I don't use it. I don't look into it. I don't research it. I like, you know, I don't get kind of caught in that bright, shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that really helped was just kind of focusing on what I needed to do in each moment. And for my course creation, that meant um, I kind of broke it into phases. So the first phase was kind of creating the outline, the overall outline. And I know you kind of like to do mind maps. So I, I'm kind of from the legal field. So I, I just sort of bullet point things out mm-hmm. in terms of what I wanted it to look like. And then um, that was kind of when I started the David Seitman Garland program. And I kind of just walked through that whole program with you, with him. And I just made sure that I wasn't learning alone. Like I wasn't just kind of like taking notes and listening and consuming, but I was taking action and implementing on every step that I took. Um, So that was kind of key. Um, The second phase after I kind of started that program and I I kind of walked through it with David Seitman Garland and with you Um, I put together all of my slide decks and kind of my script, you know, or or sort of the bullet points that I was going to use throughout my videos that I was going to make. Once all of the slide decks were done, I then took about a month and I recorded everything. And then once that was done, I then kind of figured out my whole launch plan. And I set aside about six weeks to do that to make sure that, 
you know, I wasn't kind of getting caught up in that while I was trying to finish up the program. So like, I was just kind of taking like consistent steps to get through everything. Um, so that was kind of the overall process. Um, and then what I was mentioning before is the tool tools that kind of just came in. Come, I mean, that I'd use them every single day were Evernote, which was kind of where my to-do list was. And I just mm-hmm. kind of made sure I was doing at least one thing a day. And then uh, Trello was how I kind of kept everything organized. You know, it was kind of my like project management system. Nice. So it sounds like you got everything that you need to do to actually make progress. And you had given yourself that six week window, which I also think is really, really important because without that, you're never going to sort of light that fire underneath yourself to, to get things done. I want to rewind and go back to when your website started, you, you said September 2015, right? Yes, exactly. And then you had mentioned a survey. I'm curious because most people, when they start a website, they have nobody to survey. So tell me <laughs> what happened in between when you started and how did you get enough people to take the survey to give you information on what to do next? Um, I, well, first of all, I had kind of a network of moms, you know, kind of just mommy friends and, uh, people at my office and just uh, people that kind of knew my background in Uh therapy and coaching and everything. So I kind of had a personal network already. Um, so I, I mean, mostly I just used Facebook. Um, I created a survey monkey survey and I think at that point I had heard your podcast, I think with Ryan Levesque on the ask method. Mm -hmm. And I really, I had, you know, one question on there, which is what is your biggest challenge when it comes to being a working parent? And I didn't get too much deeper into it. I, I asked kind of some dem- demographic stuff. I think it took them about 90 seconds to two minutes to maybe answer this, depending on how in-depth they wanted to get. Um, and at the end, I actually also captured their email address if they wanted to learn more about it as I continued. Um, but I, I mean, I sent that SurveyMonkey link to my, on my personal profile on Facebook. And at the time, I was a member of a couple of other just sort of mommy groups and working mom groups. And I just kind of put it in there and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, if you're you know, interested or if this is something that you that might apply to you, go ahead and answer. It'll take about two minutes to finish up. And I think I got about 75 responses within a week or two. Whoa. So, yeah, I, I got like a – and it, you know, I didn't really know that that was good. I was you know, like, oh, hundreds of responses should come in. So it kind of felt like not great <laughs> at first. But it definitely was plenty for me to kind of see the patterns. I, from that survey alone, I had you know, maybe my one to two – top issues that I knew people were totally struggling with. And Mm -hmm. then I actually had like secondary and tertiary issues that I saw were coming up as well. So it was kind of easy. I mean, I actually had drafted most of my website by the time I kind of put the survey out and got those answers. And I totally revamped it like based on those, those responses, like, Oh, okay, actually, this is what people are looking for. This is what they want. And, you know, kind of based my website on that instead. Nice. So you, then started to think about a program that can help serve these issues and then walk us through the process of that. I mean, having survey responses kind of guide you is, is the ultimate first step, obviously. But did you do anything obvious, uh, the, uh, more than that to validate the, the idea before you started um, you know, putting some good time into it? So the thing I did, so I had been doing blog posting for about four to six months. I actually also went through the Internet Business Mastery Program kind of to just figure out what is this going to be? Is this mm-hmm. going to be a business? What's my model going to be? I kind of did all that foundational work over the first maybe six months of my you know business. Um, and right around the time I started my um, program, I, I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do with my all my time. You know, I, I, I only had a certain number of hours in a week and I started, I decided to stop doing blog posts for a while so that I could focus on the program. And in the meantime, I actually also started a Facebook group. 
And that kind of became my focus group um, Mm. over the course of the next few months. I was able to talk to people, ask questions, um, tell them kind of what was going on with my program. Um, told them, you know, Hey, I'm working on this lesson right now, or this module, this is what I'm thinking. Any, you know, tips, or do you guys have any suggestions or any questions that are coming up for you? Like I was able to kind of communicate with an audience from there. Um, and it was kind of still getting built as I was doing it. So it was, you know, it was a smaller group as it started and then it grew from there, but that was really helpful for me to just kind of keep a pulse on, you know, what people were going through and, what questions they had that were coming up. And I, I kind of just geared everything around that. Very nice. Now, creating an online course is a huge undertaking, I know, because I created one myself. How did you get the work done in it? How did you actually break it down so that you knew exactly what you were supposed to be doing? So I, that's kind of what I do actually in my day job at a law firm. I'm, I'm basically a project manager. So the way that I would, I just kind of applied those skills to this course. I kind of took it one step at a time. I have my overall plan. And that was kind of my outline. And my outline ended up, I, I cut it in half, basically. I think there were maybe three modules that I got, totally got rid of. It uh, broke it down to three modules total. Um, but I simplified it as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And then I basically every week on Sundays or Mondays, I would go through and say, okay, what do I want to accomplish this week? And I would kind of take like, hey, here's what's reasonable, and then bump it up a notch or two and just put in a list, in a priority order, what do I need to do first? What step in, and I would break it down to like 15, 20 minute actions. So I wasn't totally overwhelmed and would procrastinate. So it was always really simple things like set up this website link or, you know, just go research this thing or whatever. It was always something I could do within an hour at lunch or in an evening without being overwhelmed and feeling like, eh, I don't want to go there. Um, but the most, the bulk of the work that I did was on usually either a Saturday, a full day on a Saturday or a full day on a Sunday, or I would break, you know, both weekday weekend days up. So I would kind of divide the time between my family and then the the program. And I would just jump on my laptop first thing in the morning and start writing. Um, so I kind of just, you know, took it one step at a time, broke it down into steps that would make, I mean, they were actionable steps. It was like concrete things that I could do. And Mm. I, you know, I tried to just be as practical about it as I could. Awesome. That's perfect. And then in terms of launching your course, which is what you're in the middle of right now, talk about kind of where you're what, like, let, I actually want to know exactly what you're doing right now related to your course. What, what is it? So I launched my course, which was technically, I would say my beta launch or my, you know, when we were talking about it, calling it a founders, um, a founding members course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically what I did in September. I wanted to do kind of two launches and realized that that was too ambitious um, over the fall period. So um, my course was finished. It was like totally done and hosted and ready to go in, I think it was end of July. Um, And I started my outline in about March um, of 2016. So I don't know, that's probably about five, six months. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took all of August and then half of September, I had a live um, event that I was hosting in San Diego in the middle of September. So I kind of had like a hard deadline that I wanted to leverage um, where I had the program completely set up. And so the question for me was kind of like, how do I want to promote this? And I knew I wanted to use social media, but I, I wanted to do something that would number one, increase my email list because I had had a pretty small email list and I'm still growing my email list. Um, so I decided to do a challenge, a live challenge. Um, so it was a five day uh, challenge that kind of talked a little bit about the same topics that were related to my course. And from there, I think I got about 65 email um, subscribers within about a week or two. Um, so I did Facebook ads kind of leading to that, uh, I called it a boot camp. Mm-hmm. 
And so that kicked off the week after my live event. So I got to promote my live event in the middle of September. The following week was all my boot camp, And then that led immediately into my open cart period for my program. Okay, really quick on the boot camp, which I think is a great idea to run that challenge to kind of get people interested to give people a taste of sort of how you're teaching. I think that's a really smart way to, uh, you know, lead into the eventual launch of a course. How do you determine what to make a boot camp or a sort of mini course or a challenge about related to a much larger piece of content like a full on course? Um, I kind of took uh, this piece of advice from Amy Porterfield, like kind of take your course and take a teeny slice of it and then expand on that. Um, so that's kind of what I did. I, the exercises that I have in my boot camp are all actionable. They're all things that people can do within about 30 minutes. And they're all things that are, some, they're, they're related to my course, but they're not the same. It's not the same material as what's in my course. So I kind of took some of the concepts and created like smaller versions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, in terms of validation and testing, it kind of all came from the same sources, like my Facebook groups from the surveys, um, just kind of understanding what my audience was struggling with the most and tried to come up with actionable things that they could do throughout that bootcamp that would give them real results like right away. So that was kind of my, my goal when I was coming up with the exercises. Can you give us some hard examples from, uh, your course and what that bootcamp was about? Yeah, so both the boot camp and the course are both called Frazzled to Balanced. Um, so the boot camp itself, um, one of the first things that we talk about is kind of your energy levels and how instead of focusing on your time, instead try to focus on the things that are either depleting your energy or giving you energy. So just one of the, the very first exercise on day one is go through and make a list of the things that are taking your energy away in your life, like what activities and what people are removing energy from you, from your day. And then what things are giving you energy, what things fill you up and make you excited and kind of give you that, that juice. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just kind of make a list of both of those things. And then actually day two is just go through and start editing your life. So it was kind of, I take from the essentialism book, um, we're kind of just like start minimizing the things in your life that don't really work for you anymore. Get rid of the things that aren't serving you, get rid of the, you know, kind of minimize or reduce or let go of relationships that are even starting that aren't giving you what you need in your life. Um, cause as a working parent, you just, you don't have that much time. So you have to maximize what you have. Um, so those are, I guess, just two examples of, you know, what people can do, um, to, to get more time in their life, which is sort of the ultimate struggle that I heard people were having. Um, my program goes a lot more in depth and we talk a lot more about kind of creating, a holistic lifestyle that doesn't exhaust you anymore and doesn't you, where you don't feel like you're out of control and you feel like you're the one who's living with intention and, and focusing on the things that are most meaningful to you. So it was kind of a little bit of a broader concept when mm-hmm. you go into the course. Um, but I wanted to make the boot camp really actionable. How do you get over the sort of mindset of, you know, I'm giving away parts of my course for free. How am I going to get people to actually pay for my course down the road? I've heard so much about that, actually. I mean, you know, you, Chris Ducker, Amy Porterfield, Marie Forleo, like I just have all these virtual mentors and you guys have always said, you know what, like give your best stuff away for free. Like Mm -hmm. that's how people learn to trust you. That's how people can connect with you. And I've always felt that way. Like I kind of just come from this place of abundance where I, I don't know, like I feel like I have a lot that I can offer and the course itself is a big packaged thing. It's a it's a step-by-step program. It's a system. And I don't think like taking one piece here or there is going to give the whole thing away. Um, so that alone, you know, I just never really was concerned about that. 
Um, so I kind of, I mean, from the get go, I think I was really lucky that I, I kind of was learning from people who had that mindset going in and I just kind of took that on, you know, I kind of just, I bought into that, I guess. <laughs> nice. Now the quite the big question is, well, did your target audience buy into it? How, how did the launch go? So I had 98 people, I believe on my email list when I did my launch and I sold one course, um, in that, you know, first 10 day period, <laughs> like during my launch. So, I mean, I don't know in terms of percentages, I guess that validates it, but in terms of like what I want, I, like what it tells me is that I want to, um, grow my email list and I want to continue to grow my audience and then kind of launch it from there and see again. But that's, that's kind of, those are kind of the results that I got from that initial launch. Yeah. So 98 people who, those are people who had taken that uh, sort of initial offering that the boot camp. There were actually only 65 people that were in the boot camp. Okay. Um, yeah, actually only 65 in the boot camp itself. And then that those were the people that I think everybody got led into the the launch series though, even if they didn't do the boot camp. Um, so there were ninety eight people total on my email list at the time. Nice. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about this. Let's unpack this. So, yeah. in your eyes, how do you feel you did overall with 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 the launch based on these numbers? I was happy with the results. I had no idea really what to expect going into it. And I also have heard from so many people, like including David Seitman Garland, like your launch is just your initial launch. You know, this is an asset you'll have over time. So I didn't want to put a ton of pressure on it from the beginning, but I also, you know, I kind of wanted to see how it would go. Um, so I, I mean, in terms of percentages, I was okay with it. I was like, you know what, I feel good about it. Um, I actually was, I, during the sales process, I talked to the person who bought the course and I wasn't, you know, I was kind of like, here's what it, it does. Here's what it offers. And she was interested in it. So that was great. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think what I would like going back, I would probably, I don't know, like, it's hard to say, you know, I regret this or I would change this, but I, I mean, in terms of lessons learned, I definitely want to increase my email list. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that'll help. I also think it would have been nice to maybe do like a small, like, you know, tiny test version of it, like before spending several months, like doing this whole big program, maybe do something on Udemy or on Thinkific or Teachable or something where I could just kind of like test it out. Like, I know you talk a lot about validation and I think I read, will it fly like towards the end of my program, you know, after I had kind of started the whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that would have been a really valuable tool to kind of see, what are people interested in? And, and is this something that they're going to buy? Or is this just something that they say they're interested in? Or, you know, do they really want it? So that part is kind of where I am right now is still kind of trying to figure that out. And is this a numbers thing? And if I get more exposure, it'll be something that people want, or maybe it's not even something people want. And maybe I kind of take this asset and do something different with it. Or maybe I totally scrub it all together and start fresh with something else. I'm not sure kind of how it'll all pan out. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for being honest with all of, the, all of this. And I, I love the um, sort of enthusiasm you have despite numbers that some people would be like, well, this is a complete failure. And you haven't even mentioned <laughs> that at all. So that's that's fantastic. And I don't think it's a complete failure. I don't even think it's a failure at all. And there's a, there's a few reasons. One, uh, one sale is huge. You know, that means that this is something that people are willing to spend money on and you just need to, like you said, grow your email list, get more exposure for it. In an ideal situation, you would have done what I teach in Will It Fly, which is maybe launch with just the first stage without having put right. that time and effort into the, to the back part of it to first validate it, like you said. Um, but now you have it all built, which is great. And you validated it. Some, some persons bought it. 
you really want to make sure you understand why this person bought it. If you have been having contact with them already, that's fantastic. Follow up and try to get on a Skype call with that person and talk to them to just to get deep down, like what made them decide to buy? Because my guess is that there's a lot of people who you've been able to nurture over time who are kind of on the fence. And maybe because it is so new that they're not yet ready to buy. And so I think you're very close to that tipping point where things will start to work out. And like you said, you already have the course made. So you're at an advantage at this point now having put all that work in up front. Um, there's a few things I, I will say. You can also ask the people, especially those in your boot camp. I think this is this is going to be really interesting. If you were to follow up with those people and ask them, there's a, there's a specific strategy that Ryan Levesque talks about in the book Ask called the "Do you hate me?" strategy. And I wouldn't I wouldn't ask that question, but I would ask the principle of of, of what that question does, and that is essentially saying, "Hey, you know, you said you were interested, and you took the thing, and." Uh, and, and then I offered the, this thing and you didn't purchase, like, why? Um, and obviously you'd phrase it in your own voice, in your own way. Uh, Ryan's subject line is, do you hate me? That's like more of a kind of a open, so like increasing the open rates of that, that email because who, who wouldn't open an email with that subject line? But anyway, point being, you want to follow up with people who had taken that bootcamp because they said they're interested. You know they're interested in this topic, but then you can ask them quite honestly, hey, um, how come you didn't? How come you didn't buy? And you're going to get some very honest answers, and that's going to help guide you on on what your next steps are. Every time I've told people to do that, when they feel like they've had a failure or have uh, had a launch that didn't go as expected, getting even two or three people to respond with very honest feedback can open up the light in terms of oh, that's why people didn't buy, or wow, they just need a little bit more time, or wow, they got everything they needed out of that boot camp already. No wonder they didn't buy. Which then you're then you're then you're uh, call to action as well, don't offer that fully in the boot camp. <laughs> you know, maybe do something else instead of that that challenge. So you won't know until you you ask. And that's the cool thing about kind of where you're at now. You don't have to guess anymore. You you have a position in the space with what you've done already to go find the right answers for what to do next. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well actually so part of my follow up series included a question like that. You know, kind of like, hey, I have a question for you. Um, you know, what was it about this program that wasn't the right fit for you or, you know, kind of what held you back from purchasing at this point? And it was actually, I mean, it was interesting, but also kind of along the lines of what I might've expected kind of going in. I kind of, you know, I, I sort of looked at this as an experiment going in because it was my first launch. It was mm -hmm. my first program. It's all kind of new. Um, and it was helpful. And it, it actually like helps me really understand the psychology of my audience in a hurdle that I think I'm going to have to overcome actually, because one of the things that I really go into in my program is about self-care and kind of putting yourself first. And that's one of the biggest challenges that my audience has. But that I think is going to be one of my biggest hurdles with my program actually is kind of convincing people or, you know, getting to um, getting in front of the people who are ready to invest in themselves because that's their specific problem um, is that they're not willing to invest time or money in themselves. So it kind of like brought up, brought to light something that I'm like, okay, so that's going to be either a hurdle I have to address in the sales page or in the program itself, you know, come up with a bonus or something that addresses that. Um, so that was kind of one of the biggest thing. That was one of the best pieces of, you know, information that I got from that follow up. Cause I mean, you're totally right. Like kind of following up with the people and asking why they didn't follow through. Like those were kind of the two biggest reasons were money and time. Mm -hmm. And then 
trying to bridge the gap between what you know they need versus what they think they want is going to be really, really important. And that is where the sales page plays a big role. Any sort of webinar relationship building that you're doing before the sale or before they get to the sales page is going to be really important because you want them to know what the benefit is. And it's hard because for things like this, um, it's, it's, it's like selling a course on confidence, right? Like how do you convince somebody that they're not confident or they don't want to admit <laughs> that they're not confident or they might not even know that they're not confident. Right. And so trying to, trying to really hone in on, on the right language, which I think you should maybe even go back to the survey and, and determine whether or not the language that people use in their responses is the same language that you use on the sales page. Cause a lot of times we, uh, infopreneurs and us entrepreneurs, we speak from where we're at as the course creators in a language that is different than those that would be understood by our customers. So making sure that language, I've seen it before where sometimes it's just a language change that needs to happen on the sales page to really make those numbers go back up. Um, and then other times it's, you know, people maybe need a little bit more time to get to know who you are. Uh, and so perhaps another follow-up sequence, you know, a lot of times people buy these kinds of really big life-changing types of courses, not on the first time they hear it, not on the second time, but sometimes the third or fifth or the 10th time they hear it. So again, like I said, um, it's there and I think it's helpful and it should continue to stay there and be offered over time. I think you're going to find that over time you're going to have customers who will buy the second, third or fourth time after they've heard it before. Yeah. Well, and you, you were just talking about kind of reminded me of one of our accountability calls and we were talking about kind of how to convert those kind of soft benefits into hard benefits. Mm -hmm. Cause it's also, I mean, what I'm selling isn't necessarily, it's not like a business course where, Hey, you can make this amount of money or save this amount of time or whatever. It's, it's, you know, it was, that was kind of one of the challenges for me too, is sort of trying to figure out what concrete results they were going to get yeah. from the course and kind of highlighting that, um, you know, kind of, and using the language to make sure that that kind of was nailed down as well. Right. And I, a really important phrase to know is so that. This is, right. this is for everybody, you know, you might have a ton of features and, and amazing modules and lessons, but why are those lessons there so that your customer can what? And you want them to be able to, as they're reading through that sales page, imagine this transformation that they're going to have. They're not going to be like, oh, I loved that lesson on this. They're going to say, wow, this lesson allowed me to do this or have this transformation or, you know, experience life in a different way. So I think, you know, if you can tap into maybe a little bit deeper what those pain points are for parents. It's not necessarily about getting more time. It's so you have more time so that you can be with your kids, so that you can be a good parent, so that you can have time to stay healthy, so that you can feel more confident, so that you can perform better at work, so that you can provide more for your family, so that, I mean, it can keep going on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's like the deeper you go, the more likely it is you are to hit one of those triggers that people are going to say, oh yeah, this is, this is something I need now. Well, and that brings up another point too, is that I, think, I know I heard in one of your podcasts early on before I ever created my program, you know, um, in a blog post or in a podcast or something to really be clear about that point A to point B transition that you were going to help them achieve. And I kept that in mind, you know, when I was creating my outline for my course, like that was every lesson, every exercise, every, you know, slide deck, everything that I created, I kind of tried to keep that in mind as well. Mm -hmm. And that helped a lot with, you know, when I was crafting the sales page, because I kind of had those, you know, here's what you'll accomplish, you know, from the, if you're going, if you're starting at this point, you'll be able to get to this point. 
And I, I'm glad I kind of had that in mind early on um, as I was creating the program, because I think it helped a lot later when I was trying to describe what they would be getting out of the program. Nice. Well, the way you described it here on the show shows that you know what you're talking about. You are obviously somebody who can be trusted to share this kind of information. So I think it's just going to take a little bit more tweaking, more experimentation before you get to that, like I said, tipping point or that inflection point where things will start to happen. I'm, I'm really excited to see it. And so before I let you go here, Sarah, this has been sort of a awesome insider look at somebody who's right in the thick of it right now. And thank you for, you know, sharing all this and, and being honest about it and, and you know, kind of partly a coaching call, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> um, what are your next steps? So actually, I, I kind of what you were saying before, I think one of the things I really want to do is to connect with my audience. And I don't have as much time to do that as I you know, wanted to kind of over the last year. So I've mm -hmm. started to I have my my program, I have my boot camp, all of that stuff is kind of created. And so now it is it's just kind of about tweaking that and sort of manipulating it to work with what my, where my audience is. Um, and so the main thing that I'm working on right now is a podcast um, that's going to be launched in January of 2017. Um, it's also called The Working Parent Resource. And it's going to be kind of all these same conversations. And it's, it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about giving away too much for free. Like, I kind of just want to get this information out to people. There's so much out there. It can be really confusing for working parents. You know, what information is reliable or, you know, a lot of it conflicts with other information. So just kind of helping people distill all of that down. I kind of feel like that would be a really good platform to get to know my audience and to have a conversation with my audience, to get to talk to experts and other working parents who are kind of going through real life, you know, issues as well. Um, so that was kind of, you know, that's kind of my next step is building that platform so that I can kind of engage with my audience in a little bit more, you know, I'm able to do it in the Facebook group, but I want to do it in a way um, that, you know, I think my audience might actually be able to engage. Um, they're always kind of on the go and it's hard to sit and read a long blog post or, or whatever. So this mm -hmm. is kind of, you know, what I thought might be a good way to get in touch with my audience and kind of teach them and talk to them, let them know who I am and let them know what I have to offer. And, you know, kind of all this other stuff is available as well. But that's kind of what I'm working on next. Sweet. Well, we will be seeing each other again uh, more often now that I'm going to be doing more regular San Diego meetups and uh, we'll be figuring out when uh, we can start collectively inviting the SBI audience to these things too. We're kind of keeping it private for now and then kind of slowly scaling it. We want to do it in a very smart way. So I'm excited to follow up with you in the near future, Sarah, to see how things are going. And I'm sure that everybody else in the audience will too. So um, perhaps we can uh, revisit this maybe later in the year and see where you're at. I would love to. That'd be great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sarah. Appreciate it. And Thanks. best of luck. Oh, where can people go to find out more about all this stuff that you're working on? Everything related to my website, my resources, my podcast, my blog, everything is at workingparentresource.com. So it's kind of the hub for everything. Nice. All right. Keep it up. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks a lot, Pat. I'll talk to you soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Sarah. She's on the right path been doing a lot of right things and maybe you wish she would have done certain things differently but hopefully that's a lesson for all of you out there and I cannot wait to follow up with her and see how things are going in the next uh, couple months so we'll check in with her in the future but Sarah thank you again so much for your time and for being open and honest uh, throughout this process here with me and for everybody else listening you can again find her and her work at working parent resource Dot com. And of course, you can get the show notes to this episode at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 251. Hey, really quick, I want to let you know about a page on the website 
that might be really helpful for you. A lot of you are already taking action on what you've heard on the podcast, which is fantastic, but a lot of you have also messaged me asking for more, deeper information, more fine-tuned and highly targeted information for specific problems and pains that you might be having. So what I did was I actually put together a few courses. There's more courses actually coming down the road, uh, but you could check out all the courses and things that are available to you there at smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. My team and I have worked really hard to put together the best information that'll help you solve specific problems that you might be having in your business. So if you're just starting out and you need help and you need accountability, handholding, you want a community behind this as well, check it out, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You can see what's available there. All different kinds of courses to help you through a number of different things you might be working on. And like I said, there are more courses coming down the road too. So one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. All right, and hey, you might remember last week I talked about John Lee Dumas's The Mastery Journal. I wanted to mention it one more time because the Kickstarter campaign is up and running. There's different pledge levels where you can get involved. And seriously, it's such a cool, awesomely laid out book. One of my favorite parts of it is the 10-day uh, productivity charts and the discipline charts that you get to fill out for yourself. You actually get to grade yourself, and that's one thing that motivates me more than anything is being able to track using numbers. And this is an amazing technique. He also shares the Pomodoro technique and Parkinson's law and other things that can help you along the way as you begin to, within 100 days, master productivity and focus and discipline, which is exactly what's needed, right? It's important to have these goals, but unless you can master this stuff, uh, you're never gonna reach your goals or you're gonna reach them a lot later than you would like to. So please head on over to themasteryjournal.com slash pat to get involved with the campaign, help support not only John, who's a great friend of the show, but also Pencils of Promise. He's putting some of his own money into play, depending on which uh, level uh, he reaches for some of his pledge goals, and he's donating to build schools uh, in different parts of the world. And Pencils of Promise is a company that I'm an advisor for, and I just love that he's doing work for this uh, organization too. So one more time, themasteryjournal.com slash pat. Go ahead and check it out. Thank you so much. I look forward to serving you in next week's episode. Until then, keep uh, making mistakes, guys, because that's how you learn. So keep moving forward, take care, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.